Hey, it's Mark. Welcome to the 500th episode of WTF. Where's the theme song? What's happening? Well, I wanted to do something different. I can't, I can't talk and play at the same time, so this is really difficult. But I wanted to do something different. Because I've heard that theme song about 500 times now. And I love that theme song. I love our opening music. It's a great composition. I didn't play on it. And I'm not saying it's, not, it's going away. It's not going away. But I thought for the 500th episode of WTF, I should, I should do something. I should do something different. I should try something. Right. And one thing that I've never done, I don't think. What haven't you done, Mark? I've never done this. Let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck nicks? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? What the fuckaholics? What the fuckaristas? What the fuckleberry thins? What the fuck rakers? And of course, uh, what, what the fuck minster fullers? What the fuckanucks? What the fucking avians? What the fuckaricans? All of you guys. All of you. Oh my God. It is the 500th episode of WTF. And I, I know I changed the tone at the beginning. Because I wanted to change the tone at the beginning. This is going to be a very personal show. It's going to be a personal celebration. And uh, not so much a look back, but a a look at the present. 500 episodes. And I I couldn't be more grateful for all of you people who listen to me. I couldn't be more grateful for what's happened in my life. But problems remain. But I have changed. I think if we look back, if we look at the record, I'm a different man than I was when I started. Many of you have grown up with me over the last five years. 2009 Five years? Really? God damn. Is that true? It's been about five years, almost five years. Is that possible? So a lot of you have been here since the beginning, and some of you just coming in now or whenever you came in, or it, even if you don't listen to this part of it, I hope have, have, have registered a change in my disposition. Now, this show, I, I know a lot of you were thinking, like, who's it going to be? Who's going to be on the 500th? Who's going to be the big guests? What are we going to hear? But after all was said and done, we realized, my partner, Brendan McDonald, and myself, Brendan, who has worked with me for years since I first started doing radio when I was a, not a child, but I certainly didn't know how to do radio. He's now a full-time producer of WTF. And we started talking about it, and we thought, well, why don't, why don't we just talk about where we're at now? Where are, we, where are we at with the show at 500 episodes? I mean, it's an amazing thing that we I have no idea that I would do 500 episodes of anything, let alone something that seems so important to to me and to other people. It, it's very overwhelming to me that that this is that this is all happening. That my life has changed so dramatically throughout the course of this show. That something that that I did out of desperation in my garage uh, changed my life entirely. I now have a television show, which is something I never thought I would have. I and my stand up has become more relevant. I think that. You know, we changed uh, not not single handedly, obviously, but you know, my timing was right for once in my life, and and the medium of podcasting has now become uh, you know viable and 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 popular, and, and and a lot of people are doing it. I think that 
the tone of, of honesty and, and, and seeking authenticity in expression uh, is culturally relevant now. I, I'm not responsible for it, but it, but it seems that, again, you know, perhaps my cosmic timing was right and, and things were, were ready for change. The struggle I have is that w- what is the risk? What is the risk? I mean, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this. You all know that I've had a problem with my father because of, uh, of because of my television show, because of things I've said in the book. Many relationships have been strained and, and broken uh, because of, of what I do with my, my, my form of expression, whether it's on stage or whether it's here uh, in the garage or whether it's uh, in writing. And I don't know that many people do what I do, or perhaps they don't do it quite the way that I do it. And I'm not saying that necessarily is a good thing. I've had discussions with like David Sedaris about the nature of, of using your family or using people in your life. Maybe I'm not as uh, I can't do it as non-toxic as he can, but but it is difficult. And that's my biggest fear is that is the price that I pay for being the type of person I am and doing it my way or this way, am I ultimately going to end up alone? Am I going to frighten away you know, every woman who, uh, who's possibly going to want to spend their life with me because they don't want to be talked about? Then do I have to censor myself? It gets a little tricky. I, I don't know how frightened I'll become of, of speaking frankly about my relationships with people, but I try to do it in a general way, but it still gets me into trouble. Does this sound like a celebration? Look, it is. But this is where I'm at now. I've got a heavy heart. I've got a heavy heart about things I've said publicly. I've got a heavy heart about the strain that that my honesty and 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 the the nature of how I express myself has uh, has affected people. But do you keep going on? Of course, of course you do. Is it worth you know being alone ultimately? Will I be? I don't know. But the other elements of this 500th show that I want to share with you is that, you know, it's celebrating the idea that you can do something on your own, that you can, you know, evolve as a person, that you can build a business out of nothing. I'm not a businessman. I don't know how Brendan and I put this together. I don't know how ultimately I, I, I've grown to be able to make somewhat of a living out of my garage. Many of you know the story, the, the desperate beginnings of WTF and, and, you know, where I was at. But there was a moment where I realized that not only was the show going to be great and not only was was it going to work and was the work worth it, but that I wasn't alone in the world. That I, I think that many of you know that when I started the show, I needed a lot of help. I needed help emotionally. I had I'd gone out to sea. I'd become cynical and, and depressed and, uh, and, and completely, in my mind, uh, irrelevant. I was in some sort of show business Siberia. And there was this moment I had early on with, uh, with Bob Odenkirk, and many of you know him from... Uh, from Mr. Show with Bob and Dave, but I'd known Bob a long time and I'd always been envious of him and I'd always thought that he was one of those guys that had his shit together and that he he never had any of the stresses that that would uh, derail him career-wise. And this was a fairly common thread throughout the, the early WTFs is, is my deep resentment and my deep need to, to sort of humble myself or to at least get some you know, emotional traction in the world. So I would talk to people I knew. And it was hard with Bob because I, I do have a great deal of respect for him. And, uh, and I always thought that his ambition and his focus and his creativity was just something I didn't possess and that he didn't live with the same problems I live with. But there was a moment during that show that was sort of the portal to what WTF became and to what I became as a human being. It, it all sort of hinges a bit on Bob Odenkirk. You know what I sensed about you, though, and, and because of what you're saying specifically is I think I was that insane at one time. And I think that, you know, that you don't indulge that at all. Like if you're if those people are around you, you will sort of like, OK, a lot of self-preservation. Right. And but just also, a, I, I I'm pretty crazy too. I got a lot to, I got a lot of 
you know. But you're not destructive. Do you feel like you are? I mean, you're not. You don't seem self-destructive. Right. Yeah. I mean, it seems that. Dude, I don't know. I got my own battles to fight. You know, they're not. Uh, what's the? They biggest, may not be. Uh, what's the biggest alcohol one? Or, uh, pills. <laughs> but just the the level of self criticism, rage. <laughs> rage. Yeah, you got the rage. Yeah. I, yeah, um, frustration, rage. I think you know, in a weird way, one of the things I've been facing up to. And I've always known this is true. So many things about yourself that you someday have to confront are yeah. things that you always knew. Oh, yeah, they're sitting right someday there. Someday I'm going to have to deal with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the day comes. Yeah, and you're like, and you're you, like ah, the, damn the, it. The line, <laughs> I thought I wouldn't have to. The line is drawn by you or someone else. Yeah. The fact that he battled with rage and the fact that it was something we had in common, I don't know why it seemed so you know abstract to me, but it was. And and that sort of began this tone of kindred spiritness of, of that we're all carrying a certain burden, whatever it is. And that helped me like that moment for me was I don't know if you can hear it, but it was it was it was like a, a few good men when 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 Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth. Like there was, there was a mind blowing moment there that this person that I put up on a pedestal and, and revered and envied as a peer uh, was struggling with anything. I don't know why I couldn't see that or why I didn't assume that, but I didn't. And God knows that I struggle and God knows that I continue to struggle, but things are, are okay right now. And sometimes I have no perspective of that and I don't know where I came from and I don't know exactly, I don't always know how I got here. I don't always have perspective. Even the people in my family, uh, how they register it. I don't know. I know my father's pissed off, but I don't talk to my brother about stuff. And my brother Craig is, you know, we've had a brotherly relationship. It's been up and down. It's been difficult at times, but we're okay now. And I've never really talked to him uh, at all about, about what he thinks is going on here in my life. Let's, let me see if I can get him on the phone. Hello. Hey, buddy. Can you hear me? Yep. That's great. So, Craig, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Okay. Just, uh, just working. Everything's good. That's good because, uh, well, that's nice to hear because I, I don't, I don't really have time for your problems right now. <laughs> I'm glad we're getting that out of the way early. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear you're doing well. I guess you know my questions are since like obviously no one has known me as long as you have being my brother. There's a couple questions now. Were there periods in my in my life, like I know, you know, we were always close, but there were times where, you know, you were doing your thing and I was doing mine. Were there, were there periods where you thought like, oh, you know, Mark's in trouble. I don't think he's going to pull out of it. With respect to your comedy or just in general? <laughs> sure. We can go macro and micro. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, I never, uh, when we were young, it, uh, you know, I had the little, little brother, big brother thing going. Uh, so even when you were, when you were dodging trouble and dealing with the family, it, it, it never occurred to me that that it was it was good or bad. You were just you were just my brother doing your thing. Right. So I the only thing I really worried about you um, was when when you were in L.A. Um, dealing with the comedy store. Right. And, and I think the reason I worried then was because I, I'd come out and spend a, a couple of days with you, and they were they were pretty heavy days. And uh, I felt that my responsibility was to was to, to to be at your level, and whatever that took, I was going to make that happen. Yeah. 
this, and then when I came when I came home after that weekend, it took me about two weeks to, to get my head straight. And it was it was in that moment where I, where I realized what you were what you were living through, and, and I had some concerns. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, you know, and, and obviously we've both been through our struggles with this stuff, but um, do you, like, you know, in, in the last few years, have you, have you noticed a, a difference in, in, in me? Have, have I evolved or changed? Am I moving in the right direction? <laughs> yeah, there, there's been a, a tremendous change. It's, you know, when, when I talk about you, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing to me that, and, and awesome, you have found your your niche in the world, and and your success is coming from actually having a genuine, uh, a sincere, genuine interest in other people, because that that's a uh, that's not that that hasn't been your your past, as, as you know. Uh, wait, so, wait, uh, wait! No, I'm I not. No, that, I, I'm not. I'm not sure I do know that. Wait, so you're saying that in the in the past? So it was surprising to you that uh, my my success is built on my ability to be there for other people not not so much what i used to be like huh yeah it's, it's your sincere interest in other people from, from everything i see in here that has given you the, the success you have and that's why people like to be in in your garage because you have a real interest in them and that's uh you know i, I haven't that's not the you that that i saw growing up <laughs> really who was uh, who was i interested in <laughs> you're uh you're interested in in you, I think, mm. would be the, you know, I'm talking later, you know, from college on. Yeah. But, I, but the caveat there is, you know, my memories of, of us growing up as brothers, is that regardless of what was going on, when it came down to certain situations that that needed that needed to be resolved, whether it would be in Twitter, whether we were in trouble or. or you stepped up and you knew how to and you knew how to how to be there for us and for me. So I didn't need to say that. So you you weren't you you always from a brother standpoint you have always been there. Good. Uh, but I, from what I know, that hasn't been the case for other people in your life. Well, okay. So wait. So do you think that? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, well, I'm I'm glad that I've I've grown in that way. You know. You know. There's a there's a fictionalized version of you in one of the episodes this uh, this year and. Uh, I know you watched a little snippet of the guy I had play you last year. Does it, any of that make you uncomfortable? No, no. He's tall. He's thin. He's he's, he's handsome. <laughs> I, I it's everything that uh, strive to be. So it's all good. Okay, good. Well, I hope that that sticks. Now, all right. So now, <laughs> like the one issue I'm having, obviously, and we both know, is with dad. And in general terms, I haven't uh, you know spoken a lot about it to my audience, other than we're we're at odds with each other, and and I I don't know if it's resolvable. What do you think I should do? This is a tricky one for me because he's my dad too, and, and, I, and I know and I know the dynamic. So I think the I think the right thing at the end of the day is for us to to, to have some space um, to you know for lack, I don't want to say forgive, but to have some space around it. It is what it is. To not carry resentment and hate about it. Yeah. And that said. It doesn't necessarily mean engage yeah. at any real level. It right. just means it just means to let go of, of some of the resentment. Now, again, having said that, it takes very little for me to, to jump on the anger wagon yeah. and, and say, you know, you know, hell with all that. But ideally, I think we need to have space around it and just let it be with a very cautious engagement. All right, cautious engagement. All right, well, I, okay, I live with that. All right, man. Well, I love you. Thanks. 
love you too, brother. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. So I guess he does sense a change. There is a change in me. Well, I worry, and I've told you this before, I worry that my relationship with you, my listeners, is more comfortable and more emotionally well-rounded and deeper than relationships I have with people I've known for years because they have to deal with the full brunt. They have to deal with, you know, some paralyzing insecurities that I have sometimes. They have to deal with, you know, anger. They have to deal with the, the, the sort of the, the dead zones, the, the erratic behavior. And, and this is really the centerpiece of my 500th episode. And this is, is sort of a long time coming. Uh, my friend, well, we weren't friends for a long time, but Steve Brill is a guy I went to college with. Okay, and I know some of you because if you listen to me, you've got to have this type of relationship in your life. I'm I'm a fairly myopic guy emotionally. I'm very intense. I'm very sensitive, and I run pretty deep. But I'm I'm myopic. I'm I'm narrow. That all I really need is one good friend, and and they they're in for it because I need a lot. Now I met Steve in college, and we we wrote together. We, uh, we were best friends. We took trips together. We, uh, you know, I came out to LA, uh, very early on, you know, after college to, to write and work with Steve. I mean, we have had a friendship since it's been since when, when, since like 84, 85, but there was about a decade there and it's been on and off where I just couldn't stand him. You know, we, we did things together that you guys don't really know about. And you're going to learn about here a, a little bit about my past, but my jealousy and, and our emotional tension was you know profound through all of it and to get back to somewhat one of the themes of the show is that the character in the projections episode uh of season one of Marin, the eric stoltz character was based on steve i'll, I'll admit that it was based on steve and it was based on our relationship he went on to uh, create the mighty ducks one and two he directed uh, heavyweights he he uh, did a few adam sandler movies he had a fairly you know, huge career in show business and, and don't think I didn't resent it because quite honestly, the first time I did stand up comedy was with Steve Brill. I was in a comedy team in college and that's where it all started. And I'm going to talk to Steve now because he, he was upset about the Eric Stoltz thing. And quite frankly, he was upset about a lot of things, but this is a, a part of my life and a relationship in my life that uh, I don't think I've shared with any of you. And, and there needs to be some work done within it. And uh, I'm going to talk to Steve Brill now, uh, the film director, but also my original comedy partner. I should find those pictures of us. Which one? Well, you have pictures of us. Yep. And I, I have pictures of us from that <laughs> cross-country journey we took. Yeah, New Mexico, right. Raphael Silvercloud. Raphael Silvercloud Lounge. God, is it still there? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. They put a casino out there. I don't know. Yeah. All right, so Steve Brill is here, and uh, I'm not sure what we're going to try to do. <laughs> Me neither. Well, the reason you're here is because you are the first person I did comedy with. We were best friends in college. We did stand-up together. The first time I ever did stand-up, yeah. it was you and me. Yeah. <laughs> but how did we become friends? Because you now you've gone on to you know direct many movies, write movies, have a, a very prolific uh, and lucrative career that I resented for, for decades. <laughs> it's not that lucrative. You never knew. 
It wasn't. You resented all the wrong things. I did? Always, yeah. Okay, well, that's yeah. good. How did we yeah. meet, though? Do you remember? In college, I really don't. I try to think about it. We weren't roommates. You were down the hall. You were friends of a friend. I don't remember how, except you were that crazy guy. Yeah. Or cool guy. You're actually really? pretty cool. You were Come pretty on. cool until you get to know until I got to know you. Yeah. You were kind of that awesome guy because you also I think you were a leather jacket guy for a while. Yeah. In the beginning. Black leather jacket. Yeah. I had one of those. Yeah. Yeah, a good one. Yeah, good yeah. one. Yeah. Boots. Maybe. Black jeans. But then I got very preppy at some point. Yeah, you did get preppy. And I got kind of awesome. like hipster-y. I, oh, I yeah. yeah. You went through all of them. But I just don't remember. Like I remember- I, I don't remember first meeting you. It, it was probably, again, through like Brad, your roommate. I knew, and then you were hanging out. And then we clicked on some level, which had to be comedy. Mm -hmm. Had to be that you were a kid who had Albert Brooks albums. Right. And- Woody Allen albums, right. which were a sort of currency for guys right. like us to talk to about. Right. That was fun. And then music, you know, because you also had a guitar the in there. The Stones, right? Yeah, and you were just, I was a very poor guitar player, but a high school player, and you were yeah. kind of advanced, and I, that was awesome. And so we would jam, and we would talk comedy, and you were cool. But, did, <laughs> but, but like, we... how did we, like, I do remember <laughs> yeah. that we the, we were friends. Yep. So we had that. We were funny, and yeah. you were, but you were very Hollywood <laughs> to me. Yeah, from what I remember, yeah, you had yeah, a lot yeah. of uh, your dad's clothing that he didn't wear anymore. <laughs> that you you seemed to out oh, your Who hair. Was my dad. I don't. I don't remember. Harry but you, Cohen. No, from I, Hollywood. What do you mean? No, but I just mean like your you were your clothes were kind of you know you were uh, old your man hair clothes? not old man but you you know you <laughs> it's you seemed Hollywood to me. What well what is Hollywood in nineteen eighty? <laughs> well, your hair was always combed properly. Oh, it was yeah, kind of. Oh, oh, and I, then. I was trying to do some sort of throwback look, I think. I admit you after yeah. you had done some theater. That's right. You you were a year ahead of me, yeah. and you directed some plays, and that yeah. was interesting to me. Right, right, right. And then I think before we even did the stand-up together, you cast me in that play, that Ann Rand play. Yeah. As uh, the cop who yes. hangs around in the lobby. Yeah. And you were the lead in that play, and that caused... I feel like that was before <laughs> we did stand-up. We did theater together. We ran around Maybe. with those stage troupe people. Yeah, Mike Chickless did fine. Chickless was there. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so I, yeah. I feel okay. So you and I hit it off. And then we, for some reason, were. We hit it off. And I, the comedy thing came. I remember it so distinctly. One of those few exact moments I don't have to sort of recreate or reimagine mm -hmm. is I was going up the escalator at Warren Towers, which is the big right. dorm room, which had this big two-story escalator and I was going up and they would post things all the way up. So you would right. just see flyers everywhere. And then the flyer directly ahead of me. You know, yeah. uh, was was a little thing hanging down that said HBO Campus Comedy. Right, need comedian. Right, you. Yeah. So it sort of also made you think like, oh, are they talking to us or is that we go go see it or yeah. maybe it's an audition? And I literally reached up and grabbed the ticket. They had one of those ripped tickets to call this number. <laughs> this is how showbiz worked back mm -hmm. then. And uh, <laughs> and we called a number. Mm -hmm. And I remember my first thing was I, I know I know I I can't do this alone. How can I do this? I don't have the guts or the yeah. material to do this. And I immediately thought of talking to you about it, right. not knowing if you would be into it or. Right. But I went running over and finding you. I said, look, look. Yeah. TV. I mean, yeah. HBO, which was fledgling at that time, which wasn't like. It was pretty. It wasn't nothing. Wasn't, yeah. I yeah. mean, it was what? It that was nothing. 1982. Yeah. They, they'd maybe done a few right. uh, things, but. Uh, it but it was. was yeah. Right. It was yeah. HBO live on campus yeah. comedy. Right. Uh, and Catch a Rising Star was involved somehow. Yeah. 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 And you come over with this thing, and we're like, "Well, we got to write an act. <laughs> we got to do an act." And we did, yeah. we wrote like five or six sketches. Yes, 
right? Yes. And then we started performing them in front of our friends. Yes, we went. To, my sister was there in college, and we performed in front of her in her sorority house. We did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my and God. And they said, they just stared at us. Like, they did? Yeah, and they I said, I don't remember oh, good, that. Good. I don't remember that and at all. our sketches were, they were just doing sort of uh, characters, like stereotypes of... The Jewish American princess. Right. The, we were at the Jewish American princess funeral. Funeral. <laughs> like two Japs looking at their dead friend. And then yeah. there was, I remember there was one uh, about- uh, Tripping the, on the moon. Tri- yeah, being on acid on the moon. Yeah. And then yeah. there was one about, for some reason we did uh, yeah. the uh, how the word, the N-word was invented. Yes. We were so edgy. Cutting, cutting edge. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Well, we also did punk rock. So we sort of did a survey of the kinds of characters that we saw. So we, you know, related right. to our surroundings. Right. There were punk rocks. There were Japs. There were rich kids, preppies. Right. And I think we just sort of did a survey of like, you know, trying to impersonate them or but make was fun like, of them. Was it like five sketches? Four? Five sketches. I remember three. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the Neil, the Neil, the we were tripping punks. on the moon. You were a punk. We oh, the two punk, punk guys. We were angry. They were trust fund punks, I think was the idea. Okay, that was but, yeah, the joke. Where we got to scream and say, right. fuck this, fuck that, yeah, right. fuck Reagan. Right. So, okay, so you and I, we put this stuff together. Then right. we go to this audition that was like, not at BU. It was, at no. some, it was somewhere else. It was like BC or something. Yeah, or Emerson. Yeah, and, one of these places. Yeah. In, a, in yeah. like a uh, classroom. Right. And we do the thing yeah. and they love it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right, that we kill. I remember there's some woman there. Yeah. Uh, and, and we do well. Yeah, yeah. But they don't, they don't give us the show uh they do give us the show to no, the point don't. where we celebrate a little bit and right. we say we got the show but they asterisk they said we're alternates Ugh. remember yeah because we went to the taping sort of thinking we might get on all right so okay so here's what happens yeah. so they don't we feel bad we go yeah. to the taping yeah and then they tell us well look you can come to new york and perform rick catch newman himself story. who's very nice he's still very nice yeah he, rick newman says you can come and do right. a sh- and it's like that's it man yeah, yeah. we're gonna do it yeah and I don't remember what the time span was. Oh, dude, we forgot the whole... Th- no, we well, did I'm not get that show. Here's what happened. Yeah. Do you remember this? No. We auditioned, and they yeah. were like, we love you. We want to see you in front of a comedy club audience. Yeah. And oh, then yeah, they yeah. put us on at the, at the comedy, comedy connection, connection and yeah. we tanked. Oh, God, that's right. So bad. That knocked me out of the game. That performance, that... Yeah, that's right. We I knew tanked. I would never make it. We tanked. Horrendous. Crickets. Yeah. Big like, audience. Big packed. Yeah. Ate it. <laughs> Just and we we're bumbling over each other, the worst kind of bomb. I almost darted off the stage at one point. The worst you there, the worst was, bomb. Yeah, it was and bomb. and they were like, "Look, you know, you guys are maybe they, <laughs> not ready." That's so funny that in your are. brain you were like, "We were alternates." In my yeah. brain, like we <laughs> fucked it up completely. I don't. I don't even know which is true. Oh, that's right. They we they had no intention of putting us on. We were very close. Then we fucked it up in the comedy and then club. As a maybe it was just as being a concession. Nice. Concession, which they didn't have to do. They said, "When you're in New York, we'll put you on a catch." And we were like, "That's our break. <laughs> We've made it." <laughs> <laughs> you mean there's a chance? <laughs> yeah. So, and then I remember we I made the trip to New York. Yeah. And it was also at that time. Didn't we also meet? Someone who wrote at SNL? Because I remember, yeah, like I don't remember which trip, trip was which, but I think we went down to New York to do our Catch a Rising Star spot, yeah. and we met uh, someone who wrote at SNL. I remember a name Pam Morris for some reason was connected yes, to someone. That's Morris right. Morris or Morris? Something or, like that. Yeah. And somehow we had access, which is so funny because when you're young, you don't think you're allowed access to any of these people or things. They just exist in this impenetrable bubble and world. And right. we got a little access. We're like, oh, this person is a cousin of someone. Right. We can get our stuff right. in through them. And, you know, this so, is a dream, though. Right. Yeah. So we go to New yeah. York. And I don't remember, like, at all. Maybe it's two different yeah. trips. But we we go to Catch a Rising Star. Yeah. They put us on late. Yeah. And we do the fuck Reagan bit. Yeah. And what was it? James was it? No, but the, <laughs> the story was... 
And this was a big deal to us, and yeah. it was a it was a proper night too. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were like it wasn't a it wasn't a, packed a or anything. Beat. Well, it wasn't not packed because right. it was packed enough. There was a crowd, and we we're about to go on. This is this is a hundred percent true. We were just about to go on. We had our act down. Yeah. I, I guess we were super nervous, and it wasn't I for the for a good story. I would say Secret Service, but it wasn't. It was the owner of the right. club or right. the manager came over and goes, uh, "You got to know." Uh, this is uh, James Brady's first night out. He's coming in. They're going to roll him in in a second. <laughs> this was after the shooting in 1981, so you could find out. It's right. Seven months is recovery. He wants to laugh tonight. He's out. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to be happen to be performing for him. So uh, the Secret Service asked if there's any material that you want to reconsider <laughs> or anything like that. And literally our first stupid piece was me getting on stage being, ah, blah, blah, and some guy in the audience heckling me, which was you, right. going, fuck you. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, we have an angry young man out there. No, fuck angry young men. And, yeah. and, and it all wound up with him going, Reagan, and I spoke, go, Both go, fuck Reagan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was so... Could we do so, it? Did we do it? We did it. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, we did it for James Brady. And I, he, they rolled him in, and he he had kind of a permanent smile, probably because right. of the state he was but in, I, so why, you couldn't tell. Well, you think we... I, I would have thought that the idea would be not to do that, but we did it. We did it. Yeah. And I'm sure you said we're doing it. Probably. And this I'll, becomes... I'll take it. The, no, but this becomes... Uh, you're you taking a stand for sure. <laughs> Maybe one of the first times you said, I don't care what the audience thinks. Yeah, that was a, <laughs> might be that the was, defining moment where you just said, I don't fucking the, the care. The night that led me to waste 20 years. <laughs> Could but, have been. Uh, all right, so then, but here's what I remember. I remember we go to my grandma Goldie's house yeah. and they're not home. Right. I don't know where they were, right. but we were staying there and we wrote SNL sketches. Yep. We sat oh, there yep, and we summer. wrote a package yep. and you were like, this is it. Yep. And then uh, we sent him in, nothing. Nothing. Can't, we pursued it. But see, I forgot this whole part of my life that yeah. like, you, as I get older, I think that you always knew that show business was a business yeah. and it was a business that people get in and there was different levels to it. You, I mean, you grew up out here. I didn't. Kind of did. <laughs> no, I didn't. Well, you had connect your I, My mom moved here when I was 17. We grew up in Florida, remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, a real story. I know it doesn't fit the narrative you want to tell, but I was Because when, I was by the like time you. I knew you, you yeah. had an uncle who was I a was plastic play- surgeon. Yes, I did. I had the craziest uncle in the world who, who's still around and lives out here. But that was just, my mom moved out here to work for him, and I was 17. And then I would spend that first summer out here, and, and that's where I got exposed. But I feel like you were LA. locked in. You I knew was the whole- Mr. Hollywood. I was. You were. I, I was, for, but it was only that summer. I didn't grow up here. I took okay. my mom's car, my dad my uncle was a uh, yeah yeah is that uh, i can't say what he was but uh <laughs> oh really yeah. yeah i mean he was a crazy person he was uh one of the first founders of the aa chapter out here the oh yeah one that started oh yeah but didn't stick i guess it did stick he uh-huh. once he got in he stayed in oh good but he used to take me this was also that summer before i met you or whatever i would come out and i would he would take me to aa meetings and uh oh really it was so fun i saw richard Pryor perform <laughs> at the aa meeting i saw richard <laughs> dreyfus i saw all these people so it was also like a, a great experience yeah. for me i well, pretended i was on drugs oh was, good but uh okay yeah. so so in my mind though you knew show business and so yeah, here right, we were right. we were going to do this this right. uh, submitted this package yeah and i you know i don't know if i was prepared for anything you right. know you and i had done theater together whatever yeah. and then and then you leave yeah we didn't get the gig on snl obviously and then you graduate and then i decide to pursue solo stand-up and i do a summer of it the yeah. summer that you left i think that you came back and 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 we still had another year of hanging out and fighting and you know arguing over women and and fucking having falling outs i think we tried to do uh 
a Stitches show or something. We did? Together. I think we tried to. Oh, you did solo stand up. No, we no. both did solo and we watched each other at Stitches. That's right. It was horrible. So you're doing solo stand up. Yeah. I'm doing solo stand up. And, uh, and then after a summer of that, I couldn't hack it. And then you went away. And then I did the rest of the year. And then I came. Yeah. And then my first instinct was to move to Hollywood yeah. with you. We're going to write. Yeah. That was the plan. Right I was going to move graduated. in with you. Yeah. I had set up a, a real nice place for you. Yeah. In Culver City. Uh huh. Oh, man, it was so sad. Mm. It was. Romantic right off, sad? Uh, in, no. In the, no, just sad, it sad. Was, well, it was a big uh, apartment. Yeah. But, like, I got here, and I felt like you were already locked in. Like, you know, yeah. it was sort of like you'd been here a year. Yeah. You were hanging out with Berg and yeah. Mendelssohn, and yeah. uh, who were some of the other characters that you were, like, definitely you had a crew. And at that time, yeah. I didn't understand that that's what you needed to do in Hollywood. That's what people do Me here. Me personally or everyone? Yeah, no, everyone. Clicks or clues, survival sort of. Yeah, because you, know, you had them in college. I mean, and, well, But also, it's just yeah. the way the business works. If one guy's like, he wants to be a producer, the other guy wants yeah. to be an agent, you yeah. want to write scripts, you know, y'all come up together. Right. Hopefully someone gets in that you can go like, hey, remember, we were the... It, it, and yeah. That's how it works. It does. I guess, it, yeah, it, it did It did fall out that way. I didn't think it was on purpose, but yeah, I wound up with Pete Berg, who's now a director. He was an actor at that time. He was a guy I knew. I took you guys' as first headshots. Oh, you did? That's right. I you was have a, our headshots, yeah. Well, so here's what happens. Right. So we go to Culver City. I right. go to Culver City. I move in with you. This is right. like part of my career in life that people yeah. don't really know about. Yeah. So I move out here. I've already got a little bit of a coke habit. And, you know, you're running around with your pals. I'm trying to re-engage because I'm a very demanding friend. I, I don't like you having other friends. I, you know, I don't know why they don't like me. I'm going to cause trouble. Like, right away, I was a problem. I was drinking, and we'd go out together, and I didn't know how to hang out with a group of people. Right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so ready to take responsibility, too, but you keep going. <laughs> no, yeah, but, yeah. but, like, there was, I, you know, like, in retrospect, I know that to be true. Yeah. Like, you, you know, I would go, ugh. You know, I just didn't know how to have fun, and uh, I'd be, I be—I started to realize like I'm—I'm I'm sort of a chore uh, on this guy, and uh, and but we wrote. You yeah. remember, I would yeah. get up and I would like drink. Yeah. Oh yeah. I would do like pour these drinks that I didn't even want, and we'd sit in that fucking room in that apartment, <laughs> and we wrote a screenplay that I think had already been written, or no, something. No, 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 no. You had. You had uh, a great idea, and I—I I guess when I got out there, I, I had a commercial mindset, even though. I wanted to be a playwright. We studied playwriting. We wrote a play. Yeah, we wrote a play. Yeah, that was a big deal. That was, that was the deal. best thing we ever did. It was. We we were in college. You were yeah. studying with Derek Walcott and his yeah. playwriting thing. Yeah, and you and I basically extended our stand up in a way that what I think what we did with that play outside of just writing it is that we did the best we could as a stand up team. Yes, because we played two aliens who come down to Earth as old Jews. I think. Yeah. yeah. And to see how everyone's doing <laughs> and to find a new Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. And it's a one act. Yep. And we put it on. We packed it. I mean, we had a lot of friends between the two of us. Yeah. And it was very funny. It was. We did it at Derek Walcott, who was this genius East uh, West Indian poet, playwright. Yeah. What, you don't think he was a genius? He's a good poet. Well, <laughs> well no, he thought he was no, great. Of I mean, he it was fairly amazing. He was just very intimidating. He and, was very intimidating. And if you didn't have tits, it was difficult to get his attention. I know. Well, we got him from Harvard because he was one of the first sort of sexual discrimination lawsuits. <laughs> but you used to get all these people, like great people as castaways. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we dug in with him and he got he had enough clout to set up a theater and then we were, I was a little pretentious playwriting student. I didn't really think. You were a little pretentious in he, general. It, 
okay. And then, <laughs> and then, but he, uh, the funny thing about Derek uh, is he loved, I thought we were going to be studying, you know, his thing, his yeah. expressionistic theater right. stuff from the 60s. Right. He was a guy who was like, oh man, I love that Alf. And you were like, what? He goes, Alf is such a well-written show. And you're like, oh, okay. How about, how about this Leroy Joyce? He's like, oh man. Do you know anyone who works on Hill Street Blues? He used to tell me, and I was like, that it was so weird. These these great artists. Um, so he encouraged us to do a show. Everyone else was doing these wild, pretentious right. shows, and we did this straight ahead, Sunshine Boys, yeah, stand up, right. And, and we it wrote the, it did good. It yeah. did good. We wrote these nice pieces, these yeah. nice bits. Fast forward. I'm I'm living in your house. Yeah. I'm doing blow. You know, you're living the you're life. Drinking in the morning. That's right. That a was so bit. exotic. I have to say, because we were all young guys and partied and stuff. But the first guy to drink in the morning yeah. is the strange but thing I, but to I, see. I don't want to characterize it like that was my habit. I think it I was wasn't. doing it for effect. You were. Yeah. You were doing a lot of things for effect. <laughs> I mean, and a lot of uh, but uh, coke and things in the morning was when and not sleeping. And you sort of, I felt, got into this darker. Yeah, I mean, certainly the comedy store was to come, but but well, that's yeah. what, uh, well. Let me. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna explain your responsibility in that, and maybe <laughs> we can resolve this good. because I do not really like the email exchange we had. The recent one, yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, was stupid. Oh, all right. All right. So we write that script. The idea was yeah. a guy takes their bad brown acid at Woodstock. Right, your idea. By right. the way, a great commercial idea, and it's not like you are an anti-commercial guy, but all your ideas. I remember you begrudgingly come and go. Uh, uh, this is pretty good, I think, because yeah. I was still trying to crack the code of commercial as right. I have my entire career. I think I had started thinking about the Mighty Ducks by then, and you said, uh, "Oh, this idea. This guy takes brown acid, yeah. and 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 he he goes out. He goes into a coma, yeah. and he wakes up in the eighties. I guess yeah. it would have been, and it was a Rip Van Winkle story. Yeah, it's great. And he goes back to retrack his friends. So we right. wrote. We wrote every day, and we did the whole sort yeah. of. But I think Cheech and Chong made us. They did later. Yeah, as 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 I knew with a great idea like that, someone would do right the '60s version. This was 1980. It was 20 years past the moment. It was kind of the perfect time, right, to and do it. So we did all this fun, like we wrote this whole scene of them in the '60s. Trip. Yeah, the long strange funny. trip. Yeah. Yeah, and we wrote it. And it took time, and we then we went and met with agents. Yep. And but by the time my recollection is, by the time we were meeting with agents and actually got some attention, yeah. I was like, "Fuck you, <laughs> fuck this! I can't fucking live with you. Yeah. I can't talk to you." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ah, sorry. I, I don't know why. I want what well, I do. Why? Uh, because. I was not, you know, I, I don't know that I understood that show business was a business. I don't I don't think I understood myself. I think I was incredibly jealous of uh, your ability to have relationships with, like, Pete and uh-huh. with, like, the business in general. I was right. raw material, man. Right. And I was completely, I didn't know how to get an apartment. I remember, like, after we had the falling out, basically what happened, and I don't know what the timing was, is that Pete needed a place to live. Uh-huh. And you and Pete were buddies. And yeah. Pete is this big gregarious like you know bullying fucking dude who i got along with yeah but all of a sudden you're like pete's moving in oh yeah you got to sleep on the couch if you want to stay so pete moves into where we wrote and now i'm the guy in the couch (laughs) and you guys would come home with chicks and wake me up (laughs) oh you know like i remember like one time you guys were out partying and all of a sudden pete and you and two girls walk in and you put on you know nwa and i'm like in my underwear in a blanket and you're like what's up man then pete's like show me some guitar you know it was like a fucking monkey on the couch just a nightmare yeah well the the headshots it was sort of funny because pete was just wanting to be an actor and and his big idea at that time was to do a documentary about prince i remember that was right yeah yeah 
But uh, so I took his headshot, which he said he used for years. I don't think I he used mine. Too. You did? I still have it. Yeah. We just went outside, took pictures. Yeah. All right. So then there's a I... car going in my ear in the headshot too, because it's literally <laughs> out in the street. Then I I go back. You know, I had that weird thing happen where just by coincidence I was doing PA work because you told me I could do that. Yeah. And I I got into some circuit with that. And I got a job as a PA on a comedy store thing, and Mitzi remembered me, and oh. that's when you know she was like, "Yeah, you can be a doorman." It was because it was just coincidence. Right. So then, within weeks of moving into that girl's oh. place, you know, I'm you know, hanging out at the comedy store, I'm doing coke, I'm yeah. drinking her liquor, you know, like you know, I ended up trying to make out with her one yes. night, and then like they had an intervention. Her boyfriend and all her friends came to that house down the hall from you guys <laughs> to throw me out. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yes. So then now, like, I got Dark no turns. place to live. Yeah. And then that's when I end up at the comedy store. That's right. Oh, I didn't. I forgot about that little moment there. And that was like the end of the us. building and out of the building. Yeah, that was the end of it. Right. And then I went into the fucking dark hole, into the Kennison land. And yeah. I don't know what the fuck happened with our relationship, but I have to assume I was pretty fucking mad at you for whatever. And you were probably pretty mad at me because we could have gotten an agent. We could yes. have been screenwriters. Oh, for sure, for sure. At that moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Pete thing was he was a big personality. I was. Uh, I was, I don't know. That's funny. The male sort of hierarchy, how it, it can yeah. it can shift around and <laughs> yeah. stuff. And the one thing I, I like to say I hate more than anything is bullying. I mean, a lot of my movies are really just anti-bullying movies. Yeah. But you were bullied a little, I think, <laughs> which is which makes me sick to say. I mean, not in a physical way, but uh, yeah. just in that jockey fucking, yeah. you know. Clicky Marin, way. Marin fucking Marin, Yeah. Man. Well, I felt that. Look at him. And, and I, I am conscious of that. I don't want to take too much responsibility. <laughs> I want to shift as much as reasonable. <laughs> but I will take some because that does not make me feel good. And I do and did apologize for that aspect of my personality. Yes, you did. Yeah. And you, you wrote me a letter and, yeah. you know, we fleshed all this stuff out. And but the I think that the 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 more the the weirder thing about the dynamic was that like now I was in this fucking dark castle. Yeah. I was doing a lot of coke. You and I were on the outs. Yeah. And uh, and I don't like I don't remember what really happened. I know that I went back to Boston for years, and I don't remember seeing you much. I remember coming out at some point, and you just bought that half finished house right. in Beverly Hills, which did I you, still live in. Did you finish it? Yes, yeah, okay. finished. Yeah. And uh, and <laughs> Many you had a lives pool. I moved through it. Yeah. And I like one of the first times we hung out again. I remember it was out by the pool, and you were telling me about this movie you were writing for Dennis Leary and Emilio Estevez. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, "Where's my part?" You were a bit of a uh, an oddity at that point. A little bit. Yeah. I was scared of you at that point because you had exhibited enough of the like, you let, oh, <laughs> your face is so funny right now. <laughs> you open the door and the vampire Marin comes in and it's just like you're in for it. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, yeah. he's going to be drunk and coked yeah. out or yeah. yell at you. Yeah. You know, I really? was used to being yelled at. Fuck. When was that? <laughs> I was at the comedy store and yeah. I met you and fucking Sandler yeah. for like a hamburger. Yes. And, you know, and I was doing my shtick where right. I'm like, yeah, I'm just hanging out, doing. Yeah. And then, like, I remember distinctly because Sandler, I'm telling drug stories, and Sandler turned uh, to you and goes, you're not into that, are you? To and me? He, yeah. Huh? And and there was this weird moment where, like, you had to choose allegiances because you really weren't into it. But, like, you Drug, know, you, drugs. Yeah. yeah. We all smoke pot. Yeah. Right. But, you know, but but I was out of my mind. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, not really, not really. Yeah. And I realized, like, well, that's it. Well, that must be the beginning of that relationship. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I do not remember that moment, but that's an important moment of me choosing to subjugate a part of my person. I, I wasn't into coke. I had done plenty. No, I know. And stuff, yeah. But yeah, I guess I did sort of Does that make sense over, to you? Maybe. Yeah. yeah as a dynamic I, I, know, I know I felt it. Like, yeah. you know, like, all right, that's, you know. But, oh, yeah. Well, I wasn't, yeah. Again, that I lasted a while. My, uh, my allegiance to another... <laughs> 
another dude, which led to another cult-like sect of guys working together, excluding you. Yeah. Yeah. And you, yeah, but I, I don't know how I would have fit into that. It, to, to I, me, again, I will always say, I always try just like the Mighty Ducks 2. Mighty Ducks 1 was, uh, you know, that I had to handle myself. But once I had power in Mighty Ducks 2... To my credit, I don't know why I did want you in it. I wanted you to get a SAG card or something. You did, and you got me a SAG card. Yeah, and uh, but it wasn't easy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean it wasn't easy? I don't know. It's so funny. That was like uh, that was your first movie. It was, I was my first. I was you were sweating. sweating. And you were you re- your first directing. And, and your what's that guy's name? Uh, Joe, Joe. Who was the producer? Jordan Kerner. Jordan Kerner. Yeah. And like I'm sweating. I'm in my trailer going like, don't yeah. sweat through your valet outfit. Well, don't tell them sw- the role. The role was simple. It Angry was valet. Angry valet. The ducks who are these misfit kids in. Beverly Hills are their fish out of water. They run into an angry actor, screenwriter, whatever, which is great. Right. Who's the valet guy yeah. who pretty much says, this fucking town, but you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, was, you, yeah. you can't, you got to know somebody to get in, in, in anywhere in this <laughs> town. Go. Right. Cause you're like, you're all right. right, just the ducks are going to show you. But yeah. like the, it was simple scene. I'd never been on a movie right. before, but a lot of, a lot of plates had to be, a lot of balls had to be yeah. set in motion. Yeah. Like there was a Maserati driving yeah. out of the yeah. garage. Right on Rodeo drive. Yeah. Right on Rodeo drive. Yeah. You know, people were moving. The ducks have got to be moving. It was a movie as you know. And I remember no, the yeah. first two takes, I just fucked them up. You fucked them up. And then you eventually came up to me. It's like, you just, just you gotta, <laughs> it's not that big a part. You had been up all night. Night. Is that I true? I remember, and this is the thing. Is that like, true? Yes. Well, that's the thing with me, too, and it's another fault is that- I, I wasn't I, living in LA, though. I must have come out for it. Yeah. I mean, you must have come out. Yeah. But I, I was always a little afraid that you were going to embarrass me, which is not, you know, which is another sad thing to- But that's been be from the beginning. Yes. But you've <laughs> always fulfilled that fear in me. You've always come uh, through. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that I should be embarrassed is a weird thing. But on a movie set, you were my guy. I yeah. wasn't setting you up to right. fail. It was easy. Yeah. I was I trying to set you up to succeed. But then I could tell the night before you didn't sleep, you were staying at my house. I remember you were drinking uh-huh. Jack Daniels. Is yeah, that possible? Because yeah. I remember the square bottles. Yeah. And you uh, and you sh- fell asleep in the trailer. Movies take a while and it was hot. It was yeah. a Sunday. And you were watching religious television all night. I remember that. That's so odd how you remember those details. You were watching Preachers and you were on some preacher rant yeah. about the just impossible but, fraud of, yeah. of organized okay. religion. Yeah. And yeah, I was just like, I hope this doesn't, I don't need him to use any of this for this role. I need him to say his line and, and do it. And not, he don't, don't access anything. Just say the line and get your side card. Yeah. Just do it, Mark. <laughs> Blows the first takes. I get the tap on the shoulder from the producer looking yeah. at me like, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. And I'm like, I, no, no, let's give it another shot. My, and the kids, the ducks, one of them was like Keenan Thompson, by the way. Do you know that? Remember that? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, they are, they're they're looking at you and yeah. going, this guy is overdoing it a little. Because when you did do the role, you were like, man, you yeah, did. You yeah. did. Uh, you came up to me and you said, look, you're scaring the ducks. <laughs> You were. That's the that's the famous line. You're yeah, scaring those. You channeled Dennis Hopper or yeah, something for a one line role. I did. And you brought way too much heat yeah. to a Disney movie. And I got cut out. You did get cut out. So what yeah. happens? You go on to direct uh, that the Mighty Ducks two, which you wrote and, and directed, and then the, no, you, I didn't direct. You know, the you, you yeah, just wrote, wrote the first produce, one. Uh, produced and then and then you get into the, the Sandwork camp. Yeah, no, oh, it was Judd. I wasn't. I didn't work with Sandwork. I'd known him before, and uh, and uh, Judd was. Uh, the guy that I hooked up with first, who wasn't, who hadn't done anything really, it was mm-hmm. a friend of Sandler. I knew him through him, and he, I went to him just like we were doing. Judd was sort of living in a similar place in the valley, right? And I thought he was super talented, and I had this idea for a fat camp for school, and yeah. he really liked that idea, and he wrote it with me. And then Sandler movie, I was writing for Sandler or with Sandler, sort of as a guy. I, I was Sandler hadn't even really. Uh, and worked with him, but I was I was doing Big Daddy rewrites, and then he had this idea for Little Nicky, 
that he was writing, and he brought that's me in. I remember. <laughs> I was like, "That's our play." So some oh, really? Me, some part of oh, me thought like oh, that. That we those are our yes. ideas. Really? A little. Really? A little. Wow. Does that make sense? Completely now in the most insane, sad way that you would have, that you would have thought that. Because as you know, ideas overlap like crazy. But of yeah, course. that's right. That's, that's There was part of me that thought like But it was uh, his thing. It uh-huh. his, it was, I didn't bring that to the party. I right. rewrote his entire fucking run um, on that. Or we worked together. So the foundation had nothing to do with our play. <laughs> but I can understand because it had that sort of humor of a guy coming to New York and, right. and being exposed to all these different people. So you did Little Nicky, and did you write Mr. Deeds? Yeah, I and wrote and directed Mr. Deeds. That was a big one. That. Little Nicky was not didn't do Little that. Little Nicky was a disaster. It was you know changed the stock offering for Time Warner. It was it was a disaster. <laughs> I mean, God bless Adam Sandler, as many people will say. He uh, he brought me into that process. I was writing it with him, and then one day he'd been interviewing all these directors, and I'd been in the room too, which was really He could have thrown you under the bus. Oh, my, of course. I mean, but he, so the way I got hired on that, I was writing it with him, and I was writing, oh, this demon's 5,000 demons going to Central Park, and then he'd bring in John Landis or someone yeah. to meet, and Sandler's kind of like, you know John Landis? I go, oh, fuck, oh, fuck yeah. He goes, you want to be in the meeting? Part of me's like, that's not cool to have like some schlub in the meeting while yeah. you're supposed to be meeting him. Right. But I was like, I want to meet John Landis, and so he'd do the interview. Wow. About and so we'd see all these big directors, and I'd just be sitting in the corner going, "Oh, I hope I hope he hires John Landis or yeah. Joe Dante or one yeah. of these guys." And Sandler, for whatever reason, like would vibe on him and be, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And then he turned back to me, and we'd start writing again the story. And then for some reason, he just turned to me and goes, "Why don't you direct it?" Yeah. And I I was writing Five Thousand Demons, expo- expo- <laughs> and then I go Five Hundred Demons. <laughs> I go Five Demons go from the and uh, I go okay because I was so out of my element with an yeah. eighty million dollar movie with the hottest actor in Hollywood who I hadn't missed yet. Yeah, wedding singer, big yeah. daddy, and then this was an eighty million dollar movie. No comedy would cost. This was like Ishtar level fucking right. movie. Yeah. And me, who you know was writing it, and I just said yes. I tend to say yes to things, yeah. which is sort of yeah. an attitude, which you take, which usually works out, right? Uh, and uh, it was a disaster, unmitigated disaster. <sighs> sunk New Line, sunk Warner Brothers, sunk me. You did that. I like to take half credit. I'll give Sandler <laughs> half credit. No, I love. I'll take the credit for the bomb, and you know when things are going well, I'll take credit. But uh, yeah, it it sucked. I was dead. Yeah. No one would hire me yeah. except Adam Sandler. That's why we love Adam Sandler. And who he, knew, you know, yeah, who said, and then the next movie was Mr. Deeds, and he took his director from Little Nicky and goes, I want Brill to direct Mr. Deeds, and I want to give him a huge raise. <laughs> and that's how, it only speaks to how big Adam was as a star and as a, as a good guy, and they hired me. And I that one like, did well. That one did one of his best, and then I was back. But I was not, like, given full credit, nor should I have been for that. I was a guy who, like, could be plugged in, could be useful, could be... Guy that makes me like Adam. Yeah. Oh, how could you not like Adam? Well, no, my thing with Adam Sandler was that... um, It wasn't I didn't like him. It was For me, it was all about, like, you know, it, it just seemed like the comedy was easier for other people and that that things were easier for other people that I couldn't really I didn't really love his comedy you saw but, his comedy go stand up yeah you did yeah yeah um, but you know it was just too cute he was too confident I did, it was just too confident je- it was that's, just that's, jealousy yeah, yeah and you know he I'd run into him on the street one time yeah. uh, and he complimented me and then someone right. came up to him and wanted his autograph and he sort of iced me and I took everything right, everything right, right. became very big yeah. but like the, this is where I think you and I really go south is that 
I was angry and doing comedy, and I did a bit, and I did it on Conan and as well. But it was really not a dig on Sandler right. in my mind. Right. It was a dig on the cultural phenomenon of Sandler. So, yeah. so in my mind, I could, you know, I separated the two. Right. Like, why shouldn't he be able to? So I do this joke yeah. uh, in, in Rake's reference to Adam Sandler. What was fan. the joke? The, uh, it, it was really just about a, you know, it was. Um, it was really a cell phone joke about yeah. how Beethoven had no idea that eventually his facility would emit from someone's pocket, you know, yeah. and the response would be like, oh, fuck, it's, it's my mom. And then it was like, you know, that the, it was some riff on some kid on a skateboard with his hat turned backwards, you know, right. like in, in uh, like Adam Sandler fan, you know, was a, it was a descriptor. And I, no, it wasn't. No. I mean, I remember a Howard Beale like rant against him systematically lowering the standards of. No, the country. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, that I was, mean, that I think was, that was part of the bit. You didn't do that on Conan, I don't think. No, I oh, think, no, you did. I think I you did. did do something, it but it was pretty it. direct and like. Yeah, you're right. Commentary. I do that at the improv, and then I walk yeah. outside, and yeah. you walk out, and I, yeah. I, I, I think I knew you were there. You invited me. That was the part of your sickness. Is you would invite <laughs> you would invite me. Is that true? Yes, because I, as far as I'm concerned, you would set me up a lot. To do this, I mean, to to any power you felt you had, you would bring me in and like and look at what and, I'm doing, and then insult me. Well, there was directly, th- and then say, "How could you be insulted?" Which I, you knew I would be insulted. Well, by I you. think in my mind it was like yeah. I did the real thing. Oh, that that's true too. I did stand up. You couldn't take that, it. That's true. You I could couldn't not. hack it. I could not. You pussy. That burned. That burned me for sure. Did it? Yeah. How could it? Uh, because I failed at it. You mm. know, I admittedly maybe the one thing I don't think I was any good at at all, and you had that life and you were the one man show which I always envied and still envy you know the fact that you access yourself and right. I access a world of ideas and other people and stories I wish I could do that more I wish I could do what you do holy shit I always, are yeah. we gonna start writing again is that <laughs> <what>? <laughs> let's go let's go we got to got the idea well but, uh, I think that was always our dynamic though that you yeah. you had this sort of ability to be charming and control the situation and keep your cool and I was like Bleh! yeah and it was always a dynamic that we had and but it, that it, night outside the improv you invited me there and I wanted to support you because even though maybe to be honest a part of it it's like uh, a pity support at that point because you were like fucking no I mean you <laughs> sweaty you were sweaty and I dragged other people I might have dragged Judd or someone like that there too really yes 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 because I you know you because you, you, you were like he's a comic you yep, should see him yep. no even what I felt personally which is a good dynamic with you right. too you, you might want to help him out you might have a thing with somebody but still you'd be like right oh, all right look right. at this guy he's right. my guy yeah uh, and uh, I brought people there <laughs> and then literally people. it was like <laughs> you brought people I'm sure I did and literally you get up there and you're doing okay I, no but I, like i remember like i was probably doing well and i knew you were there yeah and yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. sort of like exactly <laughs> you pulled the cord it. you turned it into a bit of a rant yeah which uh for somehow was directed and i didn't even see the joke and i just know the blood drain from my face i don't think Sandler was there obviously not yeah and i remember being invited and i remember you walking outside and, and just were- fucking going Hey man, yeah. like a fucking shithead. I was like, <laughs> you're like, oh, hey man, like knowing that I was, it was such a loaded moment. Like, what? How am I supposed to react? And I took the bait. I was measured. I go, you know, you know, I don't get that piece, man. Why would you say that? And I have this stupid thing about comics ragging on other comics. You know, I go, why would you, why would you say that? Oh yeah, because I said it's his home turf in his home right, club. That freaked you out. You'll have to explain what, why that freaked you out. But uh, but I go, I, I said, why would you do that? You know he's my friend. It's not fucking true. And why would you say that in front of all the people, his home club? Yes. 
And why would you, and uh, uh, parenthetic, not parenthetically, but the, the subtext is, why would you say that in front of me? What yeah. do you want to fucking say? Now, I might not have said it too articulately or clearly, but you decided you were ready and you jumped on top of my energy by 150% yeah. of that and immediately started an assault on me. Outside the fucking uh, improv, near that phone booth, I'll never forget it. You're like, you motherfucker, and you just let it fly. Do you remember going mm, off no, on me? No. You did. To the point where, uh, to the point, where, and I've never had the point for where I saw you on top of me like some fucking cartoon of a yeah. guy. Like oh, over you? Over like, me, like yeah. my, my, my body had extended. Exactly. Like I was yelling the to your head. You were, and you were letting it all <laughs> hang out. I'm not exaggerating. And I, I had to look up because you were so on your toes and in my face. And I remember literally sort of taking my right arm back going, do I have to hit Mark Maron? Oh. Which is a place I would never go oh with you. God. But I literally thought it was a part defensive part. Like this is so escalated that it's going to end in violence on, on a street in front of a comedy club. What, what ended up happening? Oh, I don't remember. You separate. You do the fuck, fuck, fuck. And you I know, split? turning, wheeling, turning back. Really? Well, and yeah, was there other I people did around? Too. I didn't there must back have been you other off. people. You around. backed yourself off because you knew it was a, a, a crazy moment. There I've were people n- around. Yeah, and I walked away. And honestly, quite honestly, whatever that was, I walked away. And I remember walking down towards Stanley, going, "I think that's. I got to give Mark a break." I mean, I in my arrogant way, I was like, "I have to put Mark on the bench." Yeah. But but really, I was like, I was like, oh, him and I can't hang for a while. And that's to me. Yeah, a that real was divide it. that ended uh, ten years of isolation, and it was just a decade of rage at your success. Yeah. So, all right. So, in my mind, I'm like, he's a Sandler stooge. Yeah. That's yeah. what. Understandable. Yeah. <laughs> that was how I framed you. Yeah. When did he become? A, I think I might have said that to you. <laughs> You're a Sandler yeah. stooge. Yeah. Posse, like yeah, yeah. entourage I like guy. Stooge. Stooge is fine. A lot of people <laughs> could be called that, and I'll accept it. But I never looked at myself though. I always thought I was an integral part of whatever we were doing. Sure. But, it's a group effort. But it's but yeah. But he definitely was. You know, the cult of personality built around him. I mean, things happened after that. I mean, we must add some sort of truce. And I like, I guess it was in and out, but then not until like the first season of Marin. I'm like, well, I'm going to call Steve and see if he wants to, uh, right? Isn't that the, the first time we saw each other in years, really? Was uh, when? When did you come I over? I emailed you. Yeah. On the podcast yeah. that started and yeah. just got out in the public, like the New York Times article. Like, right, right. And I uh, I hadn't talked to you in years, and I saw that, and I read that, and, and then I listened to a few, and yeah. I was like, wow. I mean, it's such an interesting experience knowing you back then. Hit the pause button, come back, and then there's an engaged, intelligent, compassionate Mark Merritt, or not compassionate, whatever. You were so- You can say compassionate. Yeah, I, I well, compassionate. listening, you know, the yeah. listening aspect, okay, okay. and that part of you- <laughs> You don't want to give me compassionate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, something it was different uh, it was the end of the day are you compassionate yeah okay good i think uh, I'm, I'm more empathetic empathetic a uh, 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 genuinely interested right. person right. which was which wasn't I think my I was. necessary experience but you were interesting and you were engaging and there was something about how you handled yourself in the show that to me was like oh my god this is were you happy for me i was i experienced the rare experience, the rare feeling of true happiness for someone else really yes in the business who i'd had ups and downs with yeah because first i wasn't threatened by it i was like i love when i can do things like i i couldn't do that right like i, like, I can't do that shit i can't fucking bring shit out of people i'm allowed to have a, i'm allowed to have things to be happy for him. exactly it doesn't threaten me at I all i can't do that i love listening to him 
Uh, is he directing a movie? Fucker, motherfucker, Fuck, yeah. that won't work for me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I thought you were incredible. And then your stand-up, which I plugged back into, and, and right. I started listening to that, and I was like, oh my god, he he somehow pulled it all together, <laughs> created his own medium, so to speak. Yeah. And has something going on were back you surprised? there. Surprised? No, because I always believed in you, Mike. Oh, thanks, I did. Buddy. I did. And I, but I'm surprised that. Uh, that you beat the clock or that somehow, you know, the second act of your life Holy uh, shit. turned out. So to me, it was also a great story right. and, and that I felt, could feel to the degree that I could feel, not part of, but, in, but you know, I was there for it. So I also felt uh, proprietary to a degree. When, when I was trying to figure out who to talk to, like yeah. uh, about like where I come from or, or, or that isn't just childhood stories or, or yeah. stuff that goes certain, I didn't do, you're the only guy. Yeah. I mean, you were the only guy there at the beginning, like really literally at the beginning of, of my like trying to get into show business right it's bizarre (laughs) and like the type of uh, contempt and jealousy and weirdness that we had all the way through yeah because you always had your shit together so you think i mean how no i know but but yeah but you were able i mean just the fact that you took responsibility for an 80 million dollars movie and then were able to shoulder the the disaster yeah you know and and it helped that adam helped you but like that was complete see the one thing i didn't realize early on or even now sometimes is that there's no way i could have handled any responsibility like i did what i had to do because i was like out of control in so many levels emotionally you know uh you know i had no idea what it was what it meant to make money or how to Mm. to be diplomatic or how to to sort of schmooze properly i was just this fucking you know man child raging through the world right that you in you know you put up with for a good many years and like when we had that email exchange, because I did, you know, after we reconnected, I brought you in to maybe direct Marin, you know, for a few episodes that didn't work out. But then like we were like, should we be friends? And then all that shit that we just <laughs> talked about. Yeah. You're like, let's reconnect. And I'm like, you don't remember. Well, you never said that. I would have bought that. I mean, that all came out after. But part of me, when I came back towards you, I put on the fucking wash of nostalgia everything became fine all right. those things became quaint and cute and part of growing up and yeah. I did not take responsibility for any of the fucking bullying or anything yeah. I was like my guy Mark yeah, yeah, he's right. gonna love seeing me <laughs> we'll talk about stuff we were partners I wanna do a show too I wanna work on it just, which I did just to like hang out with right. you and be part of what you have going on right? which is not what I have going on right. I was like that's cool I like to yeah. fucking jam with him yeah. uh, but you had other plans in your head you were like Oh, this fucking guy. Here he comes back. And I, it was just sad to me that party was like, oh, now I'm getting on my feet and here he comes back. Is that true, some of that? Kind of well, I don't, well, I didn't reach out to you, obviously. I, I didn't really frame it that way yeah. until, you know, until I rethought it. Yeah. Like, I, I wasn't seeking to teach you a lesson right. because, you know, what, what am I really going to teach you? I'm not saying that that element wasn't there, but I did in the moment where I decided to bring you in yeah. to direct, I thought like, like, um, well, you know, we do have this thing right. Right. that was always there and it might work. But then I remembered other things. I'm like, well, he's a little headstrong, you know, and <laughs> you know, and it, like, like all the other stuff, like that's really what brought up all the weird anger was, oh. that, was that like, I started to picture us working together yeah. and then it all came back. Wow. Interesting. Like, it, you know, what came back was like me doing plays that you were directing right. and what a fucking horror show that was because, because we had this friendship and then yeah. like you would treat me like some other, any other asshole. Like, yeah, yeah, there yeah. was one time where I had to meet a chick like at, at the union at you George did? Sherman Union right. and it was rehearsal and we were done with rehearsal and you were giving notes and I had to meet this chick and I'm like I gotta go he's like no you, you said you can't go and I was like fuck you you know like 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 all this weird shit of working with you right 
because of the way we worked. You're like, I'm the guy, you know, I, yeah, I yeah, got a yeah. handle on this. You're yeah. at it. You're fucking nuts. So that all came back. And I'm, and I was like, there's no fucking way. Wow. How is yeah, that not going to come back? Yeah. Well, I wish you told me that. So you're feeling because instead what I got was I was about to direct a movie and I was like, oh, I got a month left before. And Mark hasn't called me back about directing an episode. Mm. What the fuck? That's kind of lame. I'll text him. He's a texter guy. I text him going, Mark, what's up with this? Uh, I got like this month free and Mark writes back. It's not going to happen. <laughs> to which I go, welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> I literally, literally looked at that thing and go, well, you, you, you learned you the language. <laughs> you learned how to dismiss friends. Oh, you learned how to say oh, it in the least we, amount of words, <laughs> coldest way possible. It's not going to happen. This is like a godfather thing. Uh, ain't going to see him no more. Uh, uh, thanks, Mark. The total dismissive one-line thing. It's not going to happen. I was uh, like, Okay. Pause, hit that pause mark button again. See you later, fucker. Uh-huh. I went off directed my movie. Yeah. We tried to have one more meeting. We yeah. I, yeah, even then though we had one more lunch. Uh, yeah. But you kind of Every pushed, time I see you, I'm happy to see you. Like, me too. We're getting, we're, you kind of pushed the lunch. So, so here's the quick ending to the story or where where it goes wrong again. <laughs> we had a we had a lunch while I was in pre-production of my movie. I was wanted to see if there was a role for you. It didn't really matter. You didn't really care. But uh, I did care. We never where there was my role? Gr- there All wasn't right, anything fine. big enough because right. you still wanted health insurance at that point. Uh-huh. But uh and there was a discussion of that at the fucking lunch. Mm. And I'm like, and so we replay certain roles in our life again. I guess I was again oh, that. Shit. And then but at the lunch uh, you had been shooting your thing. You, you, the first thing you do when you sit down is go, yeah, I shoot my, just did this episode where there's a director who comes in and, uh, he's, uh, you know, the whole episode's about this, that, then I go, okay, thanks for telling me the whole episode. There's a director and whatever. And I go, okay, good story. And then we keep talking. And then, uh, I see the episode like, uh, a few months later. And uh, I feel attacked and set up and horribly. Uh, oh, know, the Eric Stoltz episode. The Eric Stoltz one, because that's obviously, as anyone who listened to this would see, there's no one else that fits the profile <laughs> of that character in your life. And you're, to the degree that it's autobiographical, I took it very personally. Oh. And, you know, I didn't like it. And then I wrote you an email saying, fuck you. Mm-hmm. And then another slew of emails. And then we didn't talk for another eight months till now. Is, this eight, is that eight months already? Yeah, it was the summer. Last summer. Yeah. Well, this is a, a recurring issue yeah. in terms of interpretation. Like I <laughs> like for in my mind, like I didn't um I didn't think I thought that character was broad enough. Yeah. You know, it it obviously was based on some things, but I I didn't I wasn't I didn't mean it to be a personal attack and I didn't think oh, that really? I really No. I didn't well, I let didn't. me just say the worst part was sorry, this is personal, but when I first saw you when I came back to the first time I saw you after ten years you were on your porch. I came up, and uh, no part of me was like, "Oh, there's Mark. Hug, give me a hug." I go to give you a hug, and you literally stick out your hand and push me away with your hand. I did. Yes, this is in your show. Okay, I don't. What, I didn't you, re- that's what Stoltz does to you the minute you walk into the restaurant. Oh yeah, he goes for a hug, and you're like, "Oh, a handshake, whatever." Did you I remember I, that? No, I don't remember taking that part. Oh, okay, of it. you did. Okay. <laughs> that, so, that is what, uh, in my thin skin, that's what offended me the most. Well, the weird thing is, like, yeah. you know, get, doing the type of work that I do, which right. is too close to the bone, that right. I br- I'm ob- obviously running this problem. Mm. My father and I aren't talking. Yes. I don't know how my mother's going to handle this. Right. You know, I've had girlfriend, you know, and wife issues with this kind of stuff. And, and it has made me rethink a lot of that. But for some reason, with that, with the, with the character based on you, right. I, I didn't, there were certain things that I, I thought were, were handled well. Yeah. And I didn't think that I looked like the winner in that, that situation really and i thought that it was exaggerated enough yeah but uh but okay 
Yeah, but, but there was a contempt for that character, which the author of the piece had, which ultimately I feel, which is fine. And you got to do what you do. I mean, I understand. But I, I also can't knew, imagine. But I yeah. also knew yeah. that, you know, when you wrote me that email and yeah. you said that it hurt your feelings, I'm like, yeah. no one's going to know. But you. <laughs> That's true. I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care. But I felt like the boy at Christmas because I'd become a Mark fan again. I was sitting there rooting for yeah. you, watching the show, going, good episode. And then my, I just literally my face frowning. When you say like, well, that guy hack that fucking guy, and now wh- however much you may, I, I'm thin skinned, mm. you know. Uh, I was like, I felt bad. And you said I embarrassed you in front of your family, and you were yeah. <laughs> well, like, my family didn't watch it. I made that up. You did, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You but I like, want I wanted to say, imagine I like had my wife and ki- and family around. You didn't going, say imagine, Mark. You said yeah. it happened. No, it was me on the couch alone, and then my wife came in and goes, "What's wrong?" And I go, Ugh. "Mark just <laughs> attacked me," and I wouldn't let her see it. So no, it wasn't my family watching it live. So you yeah. that was the, for effect. So Correct. you fictionalized something to hurt I me. I did. Bad. Yeah, I did. But but the the thing that uh, that you said was that you know because of the way that ended yeah. was that like I invite the Stoltz character onto my podcast. He fantasizes that it gives him credibility <sighs> with the with the and you were like if you think. You like you were like, and that was like completely. You know, I didn't think that, yeah. but but like you, you were like, if you think that I'm gonna. Ugh. The point about that was, uh, who the fuck does he think he is? You did a line in the show where Stoltz, where Stoltz said something, and you said to him, uh, "You just want some of my cred, or you'll be on my thing. You just want some of my cred." You had said that to that character, and then later he was on the show, and it turned out to be his fantasy. That was his fantasy, is that he would be able to do my podcast. Right, why? Be, uh, because, because he it, wanted to be part of this cool right, thing. And I've right. said things like, I wanted to be part of this cool thing, but I... <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> but I deserve to be, because this is the right context yes. of me being part of your history. As a working performer, yeah. I said to you, you, by the way, cocksucker, you fucking <laughs> said, what? oh, now I'm mad. <laughs> because yeah. that first time I contacted you, mm-hmm. you said... Let's have lunch. Why don't you come on? We'll get on the mics. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know if I'm that interesting because you'd already had these cool guests with you know everyone knew comedy wise. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think I'm there yet for your audience. Right. And you said, Oh no, I think you are, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, and I feel that way. I'm like, I've done movies. People kind of know my movies. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Some like them, some don't. Uh, but I didn't think I was like the great material unless it was related to you, which is why yesterday you said I want to do something related to right. you. And I go, Perfect. It makes perfect sense. But then. Fucking in the middle of that last uh, go round uh, last year, I said I heard you do a great fucking podcast with someone, and I felt like I, I felt very connected to you. And I wrote back, I go, I think I want to do your show, and you said, what? it's not gonna happen. I did not. <laughs> no, you said another word like timing's not right, bro, or something. Come on. Or oh, you did that. I could show you, and I was like, oh, I put myself out there, and he shut me down. I guess I was yeah. mad. Yeah. Shit. I know. What well, where fuck? where are we now? What? We're good. Are we? I don't know. I mean, I would like to hang out. We, you know, we we have a. I have a wife and a family. Where's your, what are you doing now? I got you no wife or no family. You have a girlfriend? Not anymore. Oh, you don't. I have got a nothing. I can't get this right. No. Well, it's all right. So it's almost so what, over. What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, I know. Final quarter. <laughs> <The clock laughs> doesn't matter. You can run the clock down with this thing. Okay. So what do we? How do we repair this? This is it. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. No, it's 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 just. Can you let about. it go? Yeah, I can let it go. I can let it go. 
I mean, I am a little thin skinned about and that. So stuff. am I. Yeah. I, and I and I and I and I know you're thin skinned, and uh, I I guess I have to own that yeah. I, I overdid it. I mean, okay. you, you, yeah. you, I overdid the the thing, but I also the character was not you. No. I mean that that character was there no, was he's definitely slick and yeah and, and, just and very Hollywood. And, yeah. It, yeah. It's and not there's you. no party that thought I was very Hollywood. <laughs> You saw whatever. I, it was an exaggeration. Whatever. It's 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 amazing to me like uh, how you're able to do it. And for the most part, fuck everyone. And I'm sorry. I think what you do is great, and what Judd does great when he writes about his life, and when the best stuff you do is when you're right on that edge. Well, look, I and uh, if I'm collateral once in a while, I can handle it. But I think it's the way to go. I apologize. So, I, I sincerely that's okay, but I don't want to seem like a censor or a prude, you know. So. Go for it if you have to. No, but it's like- If I fucking had a show right now, I'd go for you. You would? I would, because you're fascinating, interesting, and-, and, and A disaster. No, nah, not so much. Not anymore. Uh, your story's getting a little too happy, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I mean, it's like, you've risen. Well, all right. Well, so we're going to be all right then? Yeah, I think so. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you. I didn't get the feeling that he was really over that Eric Stoltz thing, and I and I think that we're going to continue our friendship. I I'd like to. I'd like to think that I am a fifty year old man. I can. I, I'm emotionally twenty if I'm lucky. It's one of the the blessings of of not being able to sustain a grown up relationship and not having children is that you can remain emotionally hobbled and uh, and completely neurotic in the same way you did when you were in your teens. It's a blessing, folks. It's a blessing, and I, I think also that I, a lot of the a lot of time I spend on this show, I I I, I do I do need your love. <laughs> I don't want to admit it, you know. I don't want to I don't want to admit it, and I'll I'll certainly fight it, and I'll certainly challenge it. And I know some of you find me irritating, and I, I know some of you find me difficult, but I, I I have to assume I'm I'm looking to the ether and to all of you. To sort of carry me, and I, it took me a long time to come to that, you know, as, as an entertainer or as whatever the fuck it is I do. But I guess it goes back to when I was a kid. Let's talk to my mother. Why don't we get my mother on the phone? My mother, who had to evolve the ability to, uh, to, 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 to love me and learn how to be a mother. It, it happened very late. I think it was in my forties. But um, I'd like to know what she thinks in terms of 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 where I'm at in my life and, and how or if I've changed and I don't know what she feels about it. I think I'm still okay with my mommy. Let's call my mommy. Hello. Hi mom. It's Mark. Can you hear me? Not as good as I heard you before. Oh yeah. Hold on. Let me see if I can fix it. You sound very far away right now. How, all right. How about now? Yeah, I, I can make it out basically mom mark i guess what i want to talk to you about is um were you worried that i wasn't going to uh, uh wasn't going to make it um most of the time i always knew you'd make it yeah yeah there were times when you were not all you know you were boozing and that stuff that i got scared like scared that i was going to die or that i was just going to throw my life away Throw your life away. Uh huh. And you know it, how how does um how has my has my success uh, changed you at all about things? Me? Yeah. Well, certainly. 
How? I'm just a little proud mother. I walk around and they say, oh, there's Mark's mother. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding? And it's just a good feeling to know that you've got what you finally worked so hard for. And you listen to the podcast regularly, right? Regularly. And that's how you know what's going on with my life. It's about the size of that, and I read your newsletter. Yeah, well, I'm glad. And it... then I send it to my friends, who I, who I think will want to read it, too. Like who? My friend Shelly, and there's another two people in the development who are very into you. I send it to them and to my nieces. So you're actually able to, to be proud of me now. Mark, it was not that I was, in, oh, I was always proud of you. Uh-huh. I was very sad a lot of times that I was just afraid you weren't going to get what you were you deserved. Well, I guess that that comes with the uh, you know when you when you choose a career in show business, I guess you just never know. But I I mean I have to assume that all those years where I was miserable and I was trying very hard to do something that uh, like I mean I know there were periods there where you must have thought like well he's not quite there yet like he's you know, whatever he's trying to do it's not quite right yet. Like when he'd watch me do stand up and he'd be like no nah, that's well. yeah sometimes when I saw you do stand up but once you started on Air America yeah I used to run with you. Every Every morning, and mm -hmm. from then on, it was like I knew that things were going to start happening. Even when you were on that program with your friend Steve, S that, what was his name? Sam Cedar. Sam, yeah, I just knew that eventually you were going to catch on. Well, you thought that why? Because like you thought radio was a good medium for me. Yes. And what, now I, I know you haven't seen too much of the new season, but. Um, uh, like, uh, all right. When I talk about you or when I, uh, you know, uh, when I talk about, um, dad or our family or now that, you know, you, I have Sally Kellerman playing you on the show. I mean, does it, does that make you uncomfortable? No. It doesn't, right? The only, <laughs> I'll tell you what makes me uncomfortable when it's a sexual episode and <laughs> it, it, I, there's stuff that you don't, I don't have to know about. Oh, you mean about me? Yes. Oh, okay. So you don't like to see your son making out with women? Or, it depends on the episode. I mean, there were a few in the first year, the first season. That, yeah. That was, I found embarrassing. For me? Yes. <laughs> yeah, of course for you. <laughs> Not for you. <laughs> well, I was embarrassed because I, yeah, it works both ways. It's uncomfortable. Now, it was uncomfortable. But you don't mind Sally Kellerman playing you, right? No, I like it. And you know, you saw—I know you saw a little bit of the the family episode. You, you haven't seen all of it yet, but you seem to have some issue with that. What was the issue with that? Um, it wasn't as crazy as the family is as he really is. Oh, I'm sorry. I I should have made it. It. <laughs> it, was kind of, it was dull. It didn't show how dysfunctional we really were. Oh, that's trying to, you know, I'm trying to, you know, protect some people. I mean, that, you know, I mean, dad's not talking to me. And I don't like I like, I, you know, I'm talking a, a bit on this episode about, you know, the risks we take if we talk about our lives and our families involved. And, you know, it's, I think it might have permanently strained my relationship with him. What do you think I should do about that? I think you should do what you're doing. You're trying to make amends. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. So you think I should, yeah, you know, maybe get in, t in contact with him and, and and see if I can make it right. Yep. Just for my own sake. Yep. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely not for his, for yours. <laughs> no, you know, if he dies tomorrow, hmm. I don't know how you'll feel. Mm-hmm. Okay. You, you know, I mean, I'm not telling you to get down on your knees, yeah. but just to make an effort to see if you can just, you know, let the whole, if he can let the whole thing go. Yeah. I don't know if he can ever do that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not, you know, whether he can do that or not, it's not really my issue. No. I guess I just have to apologize for causing him undue stress. I guess that would be the way to go. But do you think he was overreacting? I think the man is a little crazy, yes. <laughs> okay. I think that's just him. I mean, he just twists everything around. Of course he was overreacting. Okay. All right. It well, was funny. Yeah, I know. Well, I'll have to figure it out. But, um, all right, but so you're you're happy then. You're relaxed and I'm finally doing okay. Yes. Well, I love you, Mom. Is that it? I'm done? Well, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. I just want you to know that I do love you. Okay. And I'm super proud of you. And I really, I can honestly tell you, Mark, that when I hear your interviews, I'm in awe. Uh-huh. I, I just can't imagine how you come about bringing all these people out like you do. I, I think it's totally amazing. <laughs> all right. And I'm in awe. What can I tell you? That's the truth. Well, that makes me happy to hear. I'm glad that, uh, that you know, I'm in, I've impressed you and that you're proud of me. And I'm glad you found this niche that is so great for you. All right. I'm a little choked up now. Thank you, Mom. I love you, Mark. I love you, too. Bye. Bye. See, I, I felt good about that conversation. I got choked up, and, you know, it's my mom. But there's some weird thing about my mom and me is that, you know, I don't know, and, I, and I've told you guys this before. I, I, I mean, she's my mom, but I, she feels like just someone I grew up with that occasionally I have a hard time with, and it's a little tense. But I, I, I got to be honest with you, you know, what she said about my father, and, you know, it's a different, it's a different game. It's a different game with that guy. You know, I don't know. It's just different. But I, I can tell you this. It is, and I felt it deeply, that the fact that my mother's impressed with this ability that I didn't really possess throughout most of my life, not that I could acknowledge. I mean, I think most of the time that when I was growing up and certainly in relationships with other people, I, I was uh, always called completely self-involved or selfish or I didn't know how to listen or I didn't know how to uh, to, to sort of really hear other people. And that's something that, certainly has nourished my life and certainly that I, I learned on this show that, uh, you know, I could emotionally engage safely with, with people I was talking to. I could open up and, and let them have a moment or many moments. I seem to have been able to, to somehow make myself available for other people to have their own revelations, their own you know, moments of catharsis. And I, I don't think there's a better example of that than uh, the Todd Hansen episode Todd was the original, I, I think you could call him head writer of The Onion, and, and we sort of, over two, uh, two um, sessions, you know, moved through his, his suicide attempt. And you can go listen to that if you want, but this episode has been requested by uh, professors and clinicians who want to teach this episode in their classes in, in terms of, you know, how to... It, for one, I believe, was uh, for sort of bedside manner and also how to be there for somebody else's um, movement through you know, emotionally difficult narrative in their own life. And, 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 and Todd even identified this idea of feeling not so alone 
when you hear someone else talk about about similar problems and and the feedback on this episode was was astounding just you know thousands of emails from di- from different angles of 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 reactions to suicide either people that have attempted suicide or people that ha- have had families who have attempted it or actually achieved it. it it was just a profound moment for me uh, primarily in that i have to fight my urge to 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 step on people in, in terms of talking like i have to fight the urge to finish sentences i have to fight the urge to interject what i think they're going to say it's not something i have perfected but but this moment with todd there was there was a, many moments during this episode but it to, it was the first time I allowed myself really to be fully emotionally available to a guest uh, and 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 to not talk, but to provide some sort of grounding for whatever they were sharing with me. And it, it had it had a, a big effect on my life, both in my personal life and on this show. A component of mental health is a slight uh, is a slight inability to see things accurately. You see things just as you know the pe- people uh, who are mentally healthy consistently test uh, as you know uh they have a slightly higher opinion of themselves than they're actually worth or they think that their life is just a little bit better or they think that some looming disaster isn't as bad as it really is it's a survival mechanism yeah now what we talked about though that that you want to make sure that we 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 talked i just wanted to say i'm sorry to all those people i mean about the selfishness yeah I mean, you know, like, I mean, I talked about this a little bit that I had left this note saying, oh, you know, I'm really sorry. But that, that wasn't good enough, you know. Um, it was, it's a selfish thing to do to take people's love and, and not give it back, you know. And if you abandon them, then the, all of the investment of love that they gave you is, you just transmute it into pain. And it's not fair to them. So, I mean, not only do I thank all of those people, but I also apologize to them. I mean, I, I have, I've said this to all of them many times, and they're sick and tired of hearing it, to be honest. But I, I just thought it was important to say not only thank you, but I'm sorry. And, uh, and it will not happen again. Well, I love you, man. Well, I think you're a wonderful human being, Mr. Mark Marin, and uh, every time you tell your jokes, I relate. Well, now, so thank you. I mean, many people have said to me, you know, oh, I'm depressed, and I, you know, yeah. I, I love reading about, uh, you know, reading The Onion because it's so much darker than anything else, yeah, and it's yeah. willing to to be honest about the real nature of things, and and you know, maybe if that helps people, I don't know. You you're you doing that same thing has helped me. Well, I, I, I appreciate hearing that, man. All right. As far as I know, the last I heard, Todd was doing well. You know, I, I, not unlike with many of us, the struggle continues, but I think he's doing better. And uh, it's always good to hear. I should probably call him. I should probably deal with my father, too. I, I know a lot of you, I've gotten feedback from you about this problem I'm having with my father, and I understand that he's upset. But a lot of you, again, the the dynamic of father-son relationships you know parent-children relationships it is what it is and you guys know some but but it becomes very difficult I, I know there's part of me that thinks like well you know he's old and you don't know you understand that he's got his problems and, and you should be able to just to suck it up and deal with it but i i really dumped a load of shit on him 
that he believes he didn't deserve. And I guess if I frame it like that, that's probably true. I probably he probably he probably didn't deserve that. But um, but my story was my story, and my story with him was a defining element of my life. And and he responded the way he responded. I don't know that I owe him an apology for that, but I certainly didn't want to cause him grief or any more hardship than he already had. But, you know, it, it did. It did that. So I guess I can apologize for not doing I don't know how to handle it because I don't want to open up a can of worms. And I did get very angry at him. And I did dump about 50 years of, of my sadness and anger at him onto him. And I guess there's an argument to be made. Maybe you should do that with a third party. Maybe you don't do that with a 75-year-old man or however old he is. I don't know. Maybe that vitality is exactly what I got from my father. Maybe that vitality, maybe that that weird strain of spite is exactly why he persists in the world and keeps moving forward. I do I do have this sad feeling that when I lost my shit on my father that somewhere in his heart he realized like, "Ah, oh, yeah, that's my boy." I I mean, he had to have done that, but I do have to resolve this thing and I will. I will resolve it. Hello. Hey, Dad. How you doing, kid? How you doing? Better that you called. Well, I'm going to be out there, and we should we should get together and just fix fix this. You know, let's let's get past this. It's stupid. It is. You know, the 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 bottom line is, I I never set out to hurt you or betray you or do anything shitty. You know, I just was telling my story, and it had these effects, and it makes me feel horrible on some level. And you know, I don't feel bad that I did it, but I feel bad that you know it it fucked you up so much, and yeah, you, know, you didn't need any extra stress, you know. And you know, whatever my anger is, it's like enough already. You know, I don't if if one of us dies. Yeah, I don't need this shit, you know, being between us one way or the other. Thank you. You know, we're both what we are. You know, we're stubborn, we're angry people, and, you know, it just, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like going through the rest of my life, you know, with this wall here, you know, you know you're know, you having a tough time, and, and I have my own tough time. Let's just, let's just fucking deal with it. It's not like we're, we live down the block from each other, so I don't need this shit either, you know? Appreciate it so much. You all right? Yeah. Look, you know, whatever your fucking anger is or however you think I fucked you, it's like, you know, we, we just can't go back there and I, and I won't go back to mine, you know what I mean? I mean, I, you know, I want you to be all right and, you know, I didn't, I, I swear to God, I didn't mean to fucking cause you more problems. I just thought I was telling my story and it had, had these horrible repercussions, you know, what the fuck, you know, I, I, it, it, you know, I, I, I don't know that I was uh, completely sensitive to the repercussions it would have. I mean, you're not the only one. You know, in my mind, it was like, well, who's going to know but me and you, you know, and who's going to know but me and, you know, Jessica or Mishnah, whoever the fuck it is. You know, when you do what I do, you know, there are these repercussions. And, uh, you know, I guess it just took me something, you know, I just got to learn my lesson or figure out some other way to do it or just live with it or end up alone because no one's going to want to be with me because they're afraid I'm going to talk about them. So fuck it. You know, I, I've always I've always liked and respected your comedy. It was never it was never an issue, but just. This just got this just got big, so I, you know, I it became an issue which I which I felt bad about. I'm happy that you called. I'm glad yeah, we can, we can we can move forward and forget all this Here, bullshit. Here's the real deal. Whatever the the list of violations are in your mind, 
is that, you know, we're difficult people. We've had these fucking things before. This is not, it's not, it, it's not unique to us no. and not unique to our relationship, but I think the dimension of, uh, you know, the book and the TV show and, and then, you know, the feelings around that stuff, you, you know, that just made it even worse. But I mean, this is, it's not, it, it, we've been through this before. Yeah. I, I just, I love you and forgive you for, and forgive you for all that stuff. All right. I love you too, and I'll I'll, I'll call you when I get there, and I'll, I'll let you know uh, when I'm coming in. Thank you. Okay, bye. And then finally, to some degree, uh, the one thing I am not good at is realizing that I've done anything. <laughs> that. Is, I just keep moving. I keep moving. But, you know, if there's one moment in the, in the past 500 episodes that really best sums up the, the entire, you know, WTF endeavor, it's, it's, it was a conversation with Norm MacDonald. All right, look, here, the, to be honest with you, look, I, I knew Norm like, I, like you know Norm. I, I didn't know Norm. I had no idea whether he'd even be able to talk uh, like a person before he came to the garage. I was incredibly stressed out about it. I get stressed out before every interview, but I really didn't know where Norm was coming from. And we we almost immediately ended up having this very warm and very revealing and very connected conversation. And and he had this he felt this need to to congratulate me uh you know for for creating this thing, for having something I could call my own. And and I it's just that I had no choice. I had no choices left other than to, to do something. No one was going to help me. No one was going to step up and parent me through some amazing career in entertainment. And, you know, I was alone. I was depressed. I was broke. And I, I started talking here. But, you know, when he, norm, when he sort of hit me in the head with it. And, and even in receiving the compliment, you know, I, I had to tell him that the only real obstacle for me has always been me. But that part of me has always been operative. And that part of me gave me the struggle that I have and it gave me the, the life that I have. And, and it could have gone either way. It could always go either way. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? But I do know, you know, for a fact that that I've given you this show. I've given myself this show. I've, I've done something with my life and it has some degree of relevance to a lot of people. And the type of feedback and the type of, of feelings that I've gotten you know, around this show have been completely beyond anything I could have imagined. And I'm proud of that. And I'm thrilled that, that, that it means so much to so many people. And to the fact, like even in this conversation with Norm, I mean, we were virtual strangers and uh, we, we had a moment where we actually said we love each other. And I, we don't talk, but I think in that moment, you know, it, it, it meant a lot. Well, I'm glad you're doing okay, man. I really. Oh have... yeah. Well, I'm glad you are, man. This is awesome. This is so. Sorry, it's so hot. It's so cool. It is hot, but it's cool. You got this thing uh, that's your own, and you don't have to um, listen to. Uh, yeah, no one can really tell me what to do ear. except Bad Mark. I talked to Bob Costas, you know, and uh, he does. Ba- you're not a, a sports fan, but yeah, I like does, him. He's all right. He's great, but yeah. he does baseball. These fucking baseball guys know everything. And it was after I got fired and shit. And he said, "Ah, oh, fuck." He goes, "I know how it is." He goes, "I got people in my ear. These producers telling me." And I'm like, "You do?" Like he calls baseball games. Yeah. Even he's got fucking guys like they say this. You know? Yeah. Really? Yeah. He says people are saying in his ears, and he's like, "It's always nonsense shit." You know? Yeah. So it's nice that you have a place where a, a guy doesn't go, uh, "Hey." Uh, 
Yeah. Ask him this. No, it's, it's, uh, it, I'm very uh, grateful that it's working out and I love doing it. But I, I do have a guy within me that says, like, oh, the other three's going to drop, dude. <laughs> oh, well, that's the fuck course. Yeah. But, but the thing, but something is going to happen. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> that's Norm. That's the bad part. <laughs> All right. Let's weave it there. <laughs> okay. Love you, buddy. Love you too, man. That was a, as I said before, it was a quite a, quite a conversation with Norm. But, you know, ultimately, it's a conversation with you. You people that listen, you know, you listen, you eavesdrop, you hear, you, you know, you follow me. You tell me, you know, shut up. You tell me, let the guy talk. You tell me, why don't you ask that question? You say, that was a good one, Mark. You, I mean, ultimately, this is your show. I'm talking to you. And I couldn't do it without you. I really couldn't. I, I don't I, I don't keep in mind every day just how many people listen to the show. I try to keep it, you know, just between us. Because I don't want to get a big head about anything. All I know is that twice a week, I put this show up for you. And I interview people a lot. I talk to a lot of people. And if it, the idea of not putting up a show, uh, it's frightening to me. And the idea of not having conversations in this garage is frightening to me. If I go for a week or two without talking to somebody in here, I get squirrely. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what to do. And uh, that's the urgency that drives me is that I have no idea what to do with myself if I'm not doing this. And I'm going to keep trying to, you know, evolve, become a better person or whatever the fuck it is. I'll keep sharing as much of it with you as I can without hurting other people or getting myself into trouble <laughs> legally or otherwise. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. So what happened with you guys, though? Because it was that volatile? Was that a, like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you come to a point where you just don't want to hear what the other guy has to say, you know? <laughs> Both of us, you know? Kind of. Well, I, I think what happened is that Cheech got divorced, and I was part of the divorce settlement. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you get Chong. <laughs> I get the house. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good deal. <laughs> and Lawrence sat me down, and I, I swear to God, here's how that it went. He went, uh, he goes, Jim, we're thinking about using Mark Marin as our as our the update guy. Do you have thoughts on him? Okay, I think he'll be the best news guy you've ever had in your life. You need to know. A lot of people have problems with him. I go, he, he pisses people off. It, am I best friends with him? No. Uh, do I love the guy? No. And he's like, no, that's pretty much the feedback I get from everyone. I, one funny thing happened with the genealogy report. He said, well, you know, your family is, you know, from the uh, rural mountain community. And in those communities, no one ever leaves the community and no one ever comes into the community and just like you did I started laughing <laughs> he knew where he was going I knew where he was going <laughs> and he and I, I was almost in tears laughing he goes so it's not uncommon for there to be inbreeding inside of those communities and I said D is there inbreeding in my family he goes a significant amount <laughs> it just fun opportunities yeah. to do weird stuff you like to do that to keep people scratching their heads right i mean there's people like you who, yeah. who get it and appreciate it but a lot of people are like why 
What? Why? <laughs> what? <laughs> Explain it again? A movie in Spanish? Do you speak Spanish? No. Okay. And it's all in Spanish, though? Yeah, subtitled in English. Okay. And it's a comedy. Yes. Oh, yeah, good. That's fun. <laughs> so, a man shows up at the door, and uh, I let him in. You know, they're both looking at me, and I realize, holy shit, this is Kevin McDonald. Uh, I don't know who this Kevin McDonald is. I don't know what he does. I've never seen him before in my fucking life. But he's here to be interviewed because we scheduled it. I did not know this is Kevin McDonald. This is Ke Kevin McDonald showed up in my house. M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. Not M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. So I literally have no fucking idea who this guy is. I'm going to say it to you here, yeah. right here and now. Uh -huh. with, with love, the day Joan Rivers dies, I'm going to make a killer zing. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I'm going to zing the shit out of her. It's an interesting idea to me, the idea that people need to have something to be up against. For the for the listeners at home, he just wrote it down, so it's clear that he is going to work it out later a little bit. <laughs> and I'm impressed. How long have you had that shirt you're wearing right now? It's pretty new. Is it? Well, I mean, I got it like I, I, I got it from the TV show. They, they bought it for uh -huh. me. So, I, well, you think I need a new shirt? Well, you know... <laughs> Okay, okay. I'll, I'm going to write that down. Gonna get new shirts. RuPaul says so. 